The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Good morning, guys. Welcome to church. It's super exciting that I get to continue this series that we've been looking at, Freed 2. And we've been speaking for a number of weeks that we are freed people, right? We've been freed from slavery of sin and death over our life because of what Christ has done. But we're not just free to live our own ways now. We've been freed for a purpose. We've been freed for a reason. And so we've been looking at how we are to live as freed people. And so we've looked at a number of things that we've been freed to live, freed to love, freed to rest. And last week, uh, Carlum shared that we are freed to share, share our lives, share our money with one another. And so this week, I have the privilege of looking at being freed to go, and more specifically, to go and share the good news of Jesus to those around us, to go and make disciples, to preach the gospel to both non-Christians and Christians. But before I get into that, I'd love to just pray, just ask the Lord would come and speak through me this morning. So would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your gospel. Thank you that we have seen your goodness in what you have done through Christ as you've come to this earth, that you died on the cross and that you rose again. Because of that, our lives are transformed. We are now a free people and we've been freed to go and make disciples. My, my prayer this morning, Lord, that would you help encourage our hearts Not feel burdensome, but feel encouraged and emboldened to take this good news, your good news, to the world. Holy Spirit, would you speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I think sometimes the fear with preaching a sermon like this, go and make disciples or share the good news is, uh, most of us know we should be doing this in some form or another. And so sometimes it just feels like the guy up the front is just telling you, hey, you need to go share the gospel. Hey, you should be doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Or maybe sometimes you feel like it's 762 steps in how to share the gospel or how to make disciples, and it it feels a bit overwhelming. And throughout this entire series, we have really endeavoured for these these weeks, these sermons, to be practical, to be hands-on. And so I don't want you to leave this morning feeling guilty or feeling burdened that you haven't been doing this, or maybe you're not doing this enough. My prayer this morning is that we would leave feeling encouraged, firstly by the gospel at work in our own hearts, like what God is doing in our hearts. But also as we look at what it means to make disciples, what it means to share the gospel, that you would go, oh, I can do that. Like if that's making disciples, if that's sharing the good news of Jesus, I can do that. And so that's my hope for this sermon this morning. And so I've really got three things I want to talk about. And you're going to love this. Kylan's going to love this. I want to talk about the motivation behind making disciples the meaning of what it is to make disciples and the movements as we go and make disciples. Three M's, that's why Kylan loves it. And so first, I wanna talk about our motivation. Like what is our motivation to go and make disciples, to share the gospel with those around us? Well, firstly, because Jesus said so. And we could really just leave it there because Christ has commanded us to go and make disciples. But I think it's more than that also. I think it's part of who we are now as Christians. As followers of Jesus, we are disciple-making disciples. But first, let's look at Jesus' commands because we see every single one of the New Testament gospel writers in some way or another uh, recollect this sending that Jesus does to his disciples. We read in John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, "'Peace be with you. "'As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you.'" And then we see in Mark 16, 15, "'And he said to them, "'Go into all the world "'and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation.'" And then Luke writes at the beginning of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And then probably the most famous passage where we get this great commission in Matthew 28. It says, And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now we could just probably camp in this passage for the rest of the sermon, right? And try and unpack what it means when we see this great claim that Jesus holds all authority over heaven and earth. Like all authority in the spiritual realm and all authority here in the created realm, all authority belongs to Jesus. Not just some, not most of it, all authority. And not only do we have this great claim that all authority belongs to Jesus, we have this great promise that he is with us, that as we go, as we make disciples, Christ is with us. And when we understand these two things, that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus and that he is going with us, we go in a different way. We preach the gospel in a different way. We understand that this plan Jesus has to make disciples, we can trust. Why? Because all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him and he is with us. And so our motivation to go and make disciples, yes, is because Christ has told us to go and make disciples. But I also think it's because of who we are as Christians. Our natural response, maybe our supernatural response to the gospel's work in our hearts, to the transforming power of Jesus' love is to go and share this good news. What we see in 2 Corinthians 5.17, I wanna look at this quickly. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. And then verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So on one hand, we have been reconciled to God. We are now sons and daughters of God. And on the other hand, we have a ministry of reconciliation. We are now ambassadors of Christ, God is making his appeal through us and these two are not separated. You are both an ambassador of Christ, ministry of reconciliation and God has reconciled you. You are now son and daughter and this is a part of our identity. We go and make disciples because we are disciple making disciples. It's who we are as new creations, as God's family. And so what does this mean? Because most of us know we should be going and making disciples I could have just said Matthew 28 and we're like, yeah, we get it, Shane. But what does it actually mean to make disciples, to share the good news of Jesus with those around us? And so I wanna look at this quickly. I wanna look at first what discipleship isn't. Because discipleship is not a book, it's not a program, it's not a class or it's not a crusade. Discipleship is not learning everything there is to know. You can have a PhD in the Bible and still not be a disciple of Jesus. You could also run the best class there is on how to share your faith, on how to walk with Jesus, how to be a good person and still not be making disciples. Yes, discipleship encompasses some of these things, but this isn't just what discipleship is. It's also not the next step in Christianity. You don't become a convert, and then after you learn a few things, then you become a disciple, and then after you learn a few more things, you're now a disciple making disciple. No. That's not what the Bible talks about. If you're a Christian here this morning, you are a disciple-making disciple. 
Just where are you pointing people to? What kind of disciples are we making? So what is a disciple? Well, simply, I think a disciple is somebody who knows Jesus, who trusts Jesus, who follows Jesus, someone who obeys all that he says, who learns from him, and who seeks to live like him. This is simply what a disciple is. So making disciples is just helping people become like this. People who know Jesus, who trust Jesus, and who follow Jesus. Discipleship is also slow, and it is messy. It's slow and it's messy, and it's a lifelong process. Jesus says we are to teach them all that I've commanded. That's a lot of things, right? That's going to take a lifetime to do. And so as we go and make disciples, we need to understand, hey, this thing is slow. This is a messy thing as we are sharing life with one another, as we're helping people first know Jesus, then helping them know how to trust in Jesus as we open his word, and then showing them, hey, how can we live like Jesus? How can we be like Jesus? Discipleship is also not just making converts. Some people think that discipleship is just preaching the gospel. This is the Great Commission to preach the gospel to everyone. That's not what the Great Commission is. But yes, it does involve preaching the gospel. Because without the gospel, there's no discipleships in the first place, no disciples in the first place. So while it's not all about preaching the gospel to the lost, it is about preaching the gospel to the lost. John Piper illustrates it like this. He writes, Every Christian should be helping unbelievers become believers by showing them Christ, and that is making disciples. And every Christian should be helping other believers grow to more and more maturity in Christ, and that is also making disciples. And every Christian should be seeking to get help for themselves from others to keep on growing in Christ, and that is also making disciples. This is what it means to make disciples. We go, we share the good news to those who don't know Jesus. We share the good news to those who do know Jesus, and we help people know Jesus, trust Jesus, and follow Jesus. And as we look at the Great Commission to go and make disciples, this word go can sometimes be translated to as you go or whilst you are going, make disciples. And so this means in every situation, in every circumstance, as we live our lives as human beings, we are to make disciples. As you go to work, make disciples. As you go to university, make disciples. As you go home to your family, make disciples. In every situation, in every season, we have to be making disciples, helping those around us know, trust, and follow Jesus. And so practically, what does this look like? And this is where I want to spend the majority of our time this morning. What are our movements? How do we do this? Because we know we should be making disciples. I hope we understand now what it means to make disciples. So how do we make disciples? And before I get into this practical, hands-on, on-the-ground information about how to make disciples. I, want to, I think this is what we need to do as a people if we want to become better and more effective disciple-making disciples is fall more in love with Jesus. Is be captivated more and more by the love of Christ because if we're not captivated by the love of Christ, we're not going to share that love with others. If our hearts are not broken for those who don't know Jesus, we're not going to go to them with the good news of Jesus. We're not going to proclaim to them. Are our hearts so enriched by the gospel that we can't help but go? I think as Christians, we need to 
do all we can to stir our affections for Christ, to fall more in love with Jesus, be more captivated by his love each and every day. And this will help us become better disciple-making disciples. My, uh, my uncle passed away a couple of weeks ago, very sudden overseas on a holiday. And my wife turned to me and she's like, that is so sad. And I said, yeah, I know. Like, we weren't expecting it. His son didn't make it over to see him in time. And my wife turned to me and she said, no, that's, that's not the saddest thing. The saddest thing is we didn't know if he knew Jesus. Like, we didn't know if he knew Jesus. And I remember being like, wow, you're right. I didn't know if he knew Jesus. That is the saddest thing about it. I don't know where he is spending eternity. And I had the privilege on Friday to, to share the good news of Jesus at his funeral, to give the hope that there is in Christ and trust in God's grace and his mercy. Do our hearts here this morning break for those who don't know Jesus? Do we look around in our workplace, in our neighborhood, and even care there are people that don't know Jesus? Like, honestly, that's a question. Do we care? Do we care? When we look around the world that we live and people don't know Jesus, just walking out there, like, do we care? Do you care? Because if we don't, then we're not going to go to them. And so I pray that we begin to understand the love of God towards us and towards them. That our hearts will be enriched by the gospel and that we'll be motivated to then go and share the good news because that's why we've been freed. We've been freed to go. Some of the first words Jesus gives his disciples is not, ta-da, I did it, I told you so, go learn all this theology now. No, it's go. Hey, I'm alive, now go. This is the good news of the gospel, go. And so, what does this look like? The first thing I think we need to do to become good disciples is learn how to preach the gospel. Is learn how to proclaim the gospel of Jesus, not just to non-Christians, but to Christians also, and also to ourselves. One of the best things we can do to become disciple-making disciples is to know how to preach this good news. Showing people how the gospel is good news, not just for salvation, but for every situation and circumstance in their life. How is the gospel good news for your financial situation? How is the gospel good news for those in your life who are suffering? How is the gospel good news for marriages that are on the brink? We need to get good at preaching the gospel to ourselves and to others. And Romans 10, 13 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How can people know, trust, and follow someone they have never heard about? If we want to be good disciple-making disciples, we need to learn how to preach the gospel. I think one of the biggest reasons, apart from maybe feeling like we're going to be awkward or we, you know, we don't want to come off as that weirdo, is that a lot of us don't know the gospel. Or maybe better put, we don't know all of the gospel. And so we focus on what we don't know instead of what we do know. And we get caught up in all that we don't understand about the gospel that we never actually preach the gospel at all. And I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian here this morning, you know the gospel. You've been saved by the gospel. 
Let's not get hung up on what we don't know because I think gospel proclamation is not meant to be this perfect doctrinal statement encompassing all theology. It's simply the good news of Jesus. And I want to give you a few examples of what it might look like to share the gospel this morning. Because there is many ways I think that we can share the gospel. So one of these might be this. Hey, someone's come to you. Hey, Shane, what do you believe? I believe, man, like we've been created by a God who loves us for a purpose, right? But we chose to live our own way. We walked away from him. And as we look around the world now, we see that isn't going well. There is darkness and death and disconnection everywhere. But this is the good news, that God has made a way through Jesus, that Jesus came to earth to make things right again, to reconcile us back to God. He lived the life that we couldn't and chose not to live. And then he died the death that me and you deserved. He took our place and because of that, the penalty and punishment of sin has been paid for on the cross. And then he rose again from the grave. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy, but because of that, we now have forgiveness and life in him. We are free from that. There's no more guilt and shame. And he has invited us into life everlasting with him. This is the good news of the gospel, right? That's one way you can preach the gospel to someone. I also think this is another way to preach the gospel to someone. And I'm, I'm not just trying to be funny or disrespectful this morning, but I'm trying to illustrate a point. Hey man, yeah, you know all those crazy things you did? Like all those bad things? Yeah, you can have forgiveness for that, man, because Jesus loves you. Like he, he died on the cross for you and then he rose again. And that means so many wild things. But what it means is you can have forgiveness if you place your trust in Him. You can have freedom for that. For all those crazy, all those bad things you did, you can, you can trust Him. You can also trust Him with your future because He's good. Follow Him. I think that's also preaching the gospel. We don't have to just have the most eloquent words when we share our faith with people. In fact, sometimes I think it's better that we don't. We trust the Spirit at work within us and Yes, I think there are fundamentals to our faith. There are fundamentals to the gospel, right? That Jesus is God, that he died and that he rose again. And we know this, he appeared to some, 1 Corinthians 15. There's also a lot about the gospel that we just can't wrap our head around. It is simple, but it's complex, right? It's this act in history of what Christ has done, but it's also the consequence and achievement of that act. We now have salvation, forgiveness, redemption, regeneration, sanctification, Glorification, right? That, my point is this. Let's not get hung up on the things that we don't know about the gospel. If you're a Christian here this morning, you know the gospel. Let's do our best to step out of faith and preach the gospel. Step out in faith to those who don't know Jesus. Look for opportunities to share Jesus. With those who know Jesus, encourage them with the gospel, with the good news of what Christ has done for us. And then I think one of the most fundamental, maybe the most important way that I see discipleship work is sharing life with one another. Is doing life side by side, stumbling toward Christ together, investing our life into each other, opening up our hearts and our homes to walk this journey of faith with one another. This is what most of us think of when we think of discipleship. And we do this primarily through life groups here at LCC. And if you're not in a life group this morning, I want to encourage you, get into a life group. They're amazing. We meet together, we eat together, we share with one another, and then we care for one another. And whilst life groups are amazing and you should all get into one, that's not the only way to do discipleship. 
When we think about discipleship, most of us think about this smaller, intimate, one-on-one, maybe three-people relational discipleship, where we can go deeper with our conversations, where we can be more vulnerable, where we can open up, confess our sin to one another. This is how I think discipleship is best done. In close, intimate, safe relationships. We talk about our struggles and we trust the other person. They're not going to condemn us, but pray for us and encourage us and edify us to point us back to Jesus to help us know, trust and follow Christ. This is how I see discipleship working on the ground. And so how do we do this effectively? There are many ways to do discipleship in this relationship. There are many ways. There's no one set formula. It's always slow and it's always messy. And when we realize that, we can learn to be patient because people are never going to be where we want them to be when we want them to be there, right? Because we're not even where we want to be when we want to be there. So we've got to learn to have patience in these relationships. But the few things I would encourage you to do, first, identify one or two people in your sphere of life that you can invest into. Maybe they're at work. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Identify one or two people that you can build this relationship with and then commit to it. Commit to meeting regularly, to sharing your life with them, to opening up, rubbing shoulders with them. Building that safe, vulnerable, loving relationship. And then open the Bible together. Open the Bible together and just read it. Like a lot of people are afraid of doing discipleship like this because they don't have all the answers. Guess what? Nobody does. But as we open God's word and we ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate the truth to us side by side, you'll be surprised at what the Lord does. So let's just open God's word and let's read it and then let's pray for each other. Let's commit to praying for each other regularly. This is all these little groups are, is Christians, believers, doing life side by side, sharing each other's lives, sharing in the good and the bad and pointing each other back to Jesus. And the main thing is about is that relationship, not the program, not the book you go through, not, not even what scripture you're reading. It's about the relationship because you can meet every week with somebody and ask them, oh, so what did you learn from that chapter? And then they tell you and you go, cool, see you next week. Or you can meet with someone every week and go, hey, this is what I learned from this chapter. What did you learn? And then talk about how there was sin that you had to confess and then confess the sin to one another and then pray for each other. And then maybe during the week, call them up and say, hey, look, thanks for sharing that last week. How are you doing with that that you shared with me? I'm still praying for you in that. And I didn't think about it in the time because you know, I don't, I'm not great, but I was reading my devotion this morning and I read this psalm. I just wanna encourage you with the psalm. Hey, I'm super excited to catch up again next week. Right, the difference between that is one is focused on the relationship and one's focused on just the program. Discipleship is about relationship. Without relationship, there's no discipleship. So let's invest into each other's life. Let's find these few people, one or two. Let's commit to meeting together, to opening our hearts and our homes. Let's open God's word and let's pray for one another. We need to understand that people are not going to always be where we want them to be, and that's okay. 
And as we walk with him, we're going to see some amazing things as God opens our eyes to his goodness and his grace that we might help each other follow Jesus more, believe the gospel, might be able to trust Jesus more as we look at his word and see his goodness and his faithfulness and his promises and then help each other follow Jesus as we see how he commands us to live, how he commands us to act, to love one another. This is discipleship. It's not complicated. It's not complex, but it does involve laying our lives down for one another. And this is what we've been freed to do. We've been freed to go and preach the gospel to the lost and the found. We've been freed to go and make disciples, followers of Jesus, students of Jesus, who know, trust, and love him with patience. And man, it is worth it. Let me tell you, it's so worth it. When you see someone understand and grasp the gospel for the first time, there is nothing like that. When you see a brother or sister in Christ set free from the sin in their life and the bondage over them and understand the truth that they can walk in freedom for that because Jesus paid for it on the cross, man, there is nothing like that. So I encourage you this morning, this is what we have been freed to do. Jesus spent three years with 12 dudes three years of 12 dudes. He kind of tried to run away from the crowds as best he could because discipleship was his plan for the church of Jesus Christ to grow, to the power of the Holy Spirit. This was Jesus' plan. There's so many better ways, I think, of making a bunch of people know and trust Jesus around the world, but Jesus said, no, this is the plan. Life on life, discipleship, following Jesus. And so, I want to encourage us. Let's commit to meeting together, to making disciples of Jesus. But let's also pray for those opportunities to share the good news of Jesus with those who don't know him. Let's ask for divine opportunities on the street to share the gospel. Maybe it's with the barista. Maybe it's with the guy washing his car in peace. Whatever it is, let's just pray for opportunities. I know you've you've got a bit to go. Can I just talk to you about Jesus? Like, whatever it is. I have, a, I have a reminder in my phone at 12 p.m. every day. It goes off and it says, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. And I'm not perfect at it, but I do. And sometimes God gives me those opportunities and sometimes he doesn't and I pray for them all the more. But then I also put all my effort and time into how can I better make disciples, people, deep disciples of Jesus. And I want to illustrate this as the band come back up. The power of discipleship. Because there are some churches just dedicated to preaching the gospel. They just want to make as many converts as possible. And like I said, that is a good thing. We want people to know Jesus, right? But that's not what we have been told to do. So pitch this. We, you preach the gospel to one person every week. right? That seems like a, a big task. Imagine preaching the gospel to two people every week. Does anyone here think they preach the gospel to two people every week? Or think they could preach the gospel to two people every week? Some of us, yeah. Imagine doing that for 35 years. Imagine preaching the gospel to two people every week for 35 years. You just tell them the gospel and then you move on. After 35 years, you would have preached the gospel to 3,640 people. Like that's pretty good, right? If that was my legacy, at the end of the, I'll be welcomed into heaven, right? I'm sure the Lord would say, thank you, good and faithful servant, right? Well done. Like, I'd be happy with that, preaching the gospel to 3,640 people. 
But now imagine doing it Jesus' way. Spending three years walking, not with 12 people, but two people. Who here thinks they can spend three whole years with two people? Do we think we can do that? That seems a little bit easier than preaching the gospel to two people every week. But if we spend three years with two people, investing into them, sharing our lives with one another, showing them how that they can become disciple-making disciples, and do that for 35 years. After three years, maybe find two more. And after those three years, find two more. And just spend three years with two people, right? After 35 years, you would have shared the gospel. You would have made 26 disciples for Jesus, disciple-making disciples. That's pretty good. It's not 3,640, but it's pretty good. 26 disciple-making disciples. But from those two disciples who then went on to make another two disciple-making disciples, who then went on to make another two disciple-making disciples, after 35 years, there would be 1.594 million disciples of Jesus Christ. From spending three years with two people, there'll be 1.6 million disciples making disciples. And we all just said that we could do that. We all just said that we could spend three years with two people. 1.6 million people knowing, trusting and following Jesus because we, can, we spent three years with two people. This is the power of discipleship. This is why we've been free to go and make disciples. I wanna encourage this morning, let's focus our eyes, not just on ourselves, but on those around us who don't know Jesus, how we can encourage those who do know Him to follow Him, to trust Him, to see His grace and His love all the more. And then let's remember that making disciples is ultimately not about us. It's not about our gifts or our abilities. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. The Holy Spirit helped us believe in the gospel. And so as we go, we pray, Holy Spirit, I need you. Because Jesus has said, He is with us and all authority in heaven and earth belongs to Him. We have been freed this morning free to go, free to share the good news of Jesus to those around us. To baptise them like we did last week with Beck and to teach them all that the Lord has commanded, that we might walk as followers of Jesus, set apart from the world. We've been taken out of the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light and not to hide that light, but to shine it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.